You are now tuned in to the James Grage Theory, episode 27, they told me, when it all comes crashing down. And I don't know what that title means. I mean, I have an idea, but it's just as much of a mystery as it is to you as it is to me because an hour ago I came up to James and I said, hey, what's today's topic so I can do my research? And he just gave me a title and said, no research today. So I have no idea. I'm, I'm going to let you kind of produce this show today. I'll sit here and respond as much as I can. But what do you mean when it when it all comes cra- when it all comes crashing down? Sounds dramatic. So what are we talking about here? Well, when it happens, it does feel dramatic. It feels like everything's crashing down. I, you know, I think everybody has their own version of this when it happens in their life, and <clears throat> I think we all go through this maybe a couple times in our life. And to me, what it means is when all the things that you think that are supposed to be a certain way, things that are like a given, you think, okay, that's solid. I can count on that. I don't have to worry about that. It's when all those things that you think are a certain way aren't that way anymore. When life happens. When shit happens. And it's that moment where you feel like everything that you could count on literally comes crashing down on you. Mm -hmm. And you say, what the fuck just happened? That sounds, uh, you know, I mean, I can relate to that very easily. I don't know if I'm a person that handles that kind of catastrophic collapse very well. I try to, but I think it's something you have to experience a few times, I guess, to really be conditioned to, to deal with it. So, so, so let me ask you this and I'll, I'll, so I'll share with you some times that that's happened to me. And then uh, matter of fact, I'll even, I'll start off. I'll tell you, tell you an experience. And then uh, I'll ask you if you've experienced anything similar, because I think everyone, like I said, has their own version of it. So the first time I ever felt this way, and it started off with, well, you watched my FitCon presentation, mm-hmm. and I talked about how uh, when I turned 17, right when I turned 17 years old, decided that I was going to move out of the house and drop out of high school. <clears throat> so I moved away. I was living in a small town in Northern California called Chico, and I uh, had a girlfriend that was older. She was 21. She lived in Sacramento, which was just about two hours away, and I... Uh, so I ended up moving to Sacramento and kind of was bouncing in and out of college. and But I was more focused on hanging out with my girlfriend and, I don't know, just being away from the situation that I had at home. Mm. I think a lot of it was that, was just getting away from the Anything situation. to get away. So fast forward a couple years, break up with a girlfriend, look back and say, okay, this one thing that that I had, which was this relationship, which helped me look past all these bad decisions that I had made, which dropping out of high school, etc. So now I don't have the relationship anymore. Now I've watched all my friends, you know, go on to college, get ready to graduate. And here I am moving back to Chico, moving back into my mom's house, hmm. moving into this room in the back of the house saying, what the fuck did I do with my life? Mm. And I think that that crashing down feeling is when you you can't see the opportunity. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You feel like whether it was your decisions or you feel like it was life happening to you, whatever it is, you just feel hopeless. It's like you ever see someone who just stares at the wall and they're just completely checked out and yeah. 
they're just lost in in these you know their thoughts and you can tell that they are just trying to sort through it all and figure out what the fuck Mm -hmm. there's no like true north that's pointing them anywhere you can just tell they're a lost soul and i think you know lost i think a lot of people felt um have have had these feelings i think this is not not a rare moment but for for me i can tell you easily we've talked about this before but when i got you know kicked out of college that was like a feeling not even that the first time i experienced that is probably before that even when i left high school and i realized that my entire everything that was good in my life or you know that worked in my life wasn't even me it was my mom my mom's you know thing and then now i was you know, off my training wheels and I was completely stuck. I had no freaking idea what to do. That was like a hopeless lost feeling. Cause once you start kind of, once it kind of starts rolling downhill, it kind of snowballs and it becomes to the point where it becomes overwhelming. And I'm at 18 years old. I don't know how to deal with it. And then I can, I think it, it also led to a lot of the later problems in 22 and all that stuff. But yeah, that was probably one of them was just realizing that it wasn't me that was holding my life together, but it was outside help. So, you know, going back to the original question, you know, what is that when it all comes crashing down? And to me, it's that overwhelming feeling. It's where everything feels like it, it fell apart, but you're not really even just looking at, you know, okay, let me break it down. What really happened here and trying to analyzing it? No, it's this overwhelming feeling emphasis on the word feeling and I, uh, you know, in that sense of almost like hopelessness or even feeling beat, feeling like, you know, if you were a dam and as the water levels, were, you know, were rising, that you just cracked, that you just couldn't hold it anymore. And that, you know, the dam came, you know, breaking loose and, you know, and all the water ran into the valley. That's how it feels. It feels like, you know what, I just... I've been resilient and this happened and that happened, but now it's just all piled up and I just can't fucking, I can't deal with it and I don't know what to do. Right. And I think we can break it up into a couple different, you know, sections of our life. When you're saying everything crashes down, this could mean, you know, money, business, oh, yeah, you know, life, your personal life, marriage, um, fitness levels. I'll give an example. What happens when it all comes crashing down? For you, when it when when everything is taken away from you physically, and you're getting into that crash, what happens when it all kind of? Well, so that was another moment in my life, and you know the interesting thing. So people who know a little bit of my backstory know about the car accident that I went through. But the funny thing is, it already felt like everything fell apart before the car accident even happened. Talk a little bit about that, maybe just kind of leading up to literally coming all crashing down. So I mean, you know, and some of that was even from earlier bad decisions, you know, dropping out of high school, etc. But you know, I found myself in a position where the job that I had wasn't working out. So I lost that job, had just a tiny bit of money in the bank. And it didn't take long to go through that. It took about a month and a half. So I had no money in the bank. Tried to go get any kind of job I could at that point, you know, where you kind of reach that level of desperation where you just say, put out a hundred different resumes. Yeah, and fuck, calls it. Back. fuck it. I'll swallow my pride. I'll just do whatever. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I couldn't even get the most basic job at that point. And uh, so I was watching, you know, the bills roll in, no money to pay for it, looking at saying, you know, okay, even going to the grocery store seems like mission impossible or putting gas in my car. And uh, so I finally got this job opportunity that was in the Bay Area near San Francisco. And that was a job that I desperately needed because I just felt like I hit critical mass. Like I had exhausted. Bottom, bottom. Bottom, bottom. And so when I got in that car accident, lost 
my last earthly possession, which was my <laughs> car. And then, you know, the one thing that I thought I had going for me, which was being in shape, that was taken away. So when I thought I hit bottom, I still had a long ways to fall. And that felt hopeless. And that was the feeling as I started to realize, okay, let me let me figure this out. Where am I at right now? Like, what does this situation really look like? And it looked absolutely hopeless. I could not see my way out of it. And the problem was is the feeling that I had was so overwhelming. It was almost, you know, the emotions were so overwhelming that it didn't allow me to even see the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And... And so that's that's what I'm talking about. And I've I've gone through that a few times in my life at varying degrees. Even where you know, sometimes in business where things I thought that I could bank on, right? Okay, if this, then that. And then you start making plans and you start building on. It's like building a house on a foundation that you think is solid and then one day you it all know, starts sinking. It starts sinking. You ever see those uh those pictures that were on uh the internet where you know, some guy was sitting in his living room and all of a sudden, like, the floor fell out from no. under him. Yeah, there were, like, giant sinkholes. Oh, this was up in Central Florida, in Ocala. They, uh, basically, a whole town just went into the ground. So, it's, just, like, it's like that, right? right? It's like what you think is solid, you would never expect in a million years sitting in your living room for the, the floor to fall out from under you. Right. But when stuff like this happens, that's exactly how it feels and you're unprepared for it. I... Mm-hmm. Uh, And so when I was out there at FitCon, a lot of this presentation that I gave was talking about that. And a a lot of it just comes from personal experience, dealing with situations, whether it was bad decisions that I made that led to more bad decisions, which just snowballed, or whether it was just life happening, like shit happens, right? Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Because when it happens to you and you feel like you don't know where to go from there, you know, what is that next step? What do you do? How do you pull yourself out of that funk? What do you do? How do we get ourselves out of this funk? So, you know, and that's exactly what I want to talk about today because I think that it's a a pretty common thing, you know, at some point in your life, if you're putting yourself out there, if you're trying to, you know, go out and accomplish things, reach your goals, stretch yourself a little, you know, you're going to go on to shaky ground sometimes. It's not going to be safe. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. And so how do you deal with it when you do? Because... When I was younger, I just wasn't prepared. I didn't have a good strategy for it. And so that's what we talked about out there in Utah was this strategy that I developed over time. And at first, it's kind of haphazard. It's not like I had a good plan or someone said, hey, here's how you deal with problems. Here's how you deal with shit when it knocks you down. Uh, A lot of it was just trial and error. And over time, after being knocked down enough of having some of these, you know, major disappointments, learning how to deal with it and figure out, okay, not only how do I get past this, how do I pick myself up and get myself out of this emotional funk that's beating me down, but how do I also use this to propel me forward? How do I make make this into something that's productive? How long did it take you to kind of get into that first initial step of like, because there's a point where you're going to feel like crap, you're going to feel bad for yourself and all that stuff, but I know someone like you probably moved on from that pr- pretty fast, but how long did it take you to get into the mindset of like, all right, let me start, you know, moving forward. I have nothing. Let me start gathering myself a little bit. I found, so in the two examples I gave you, the turnaround when it happened was almost instantaneous. Mm. Uh, because it, it really becomes a shift in your mindset. So the first time it happened, I, you know, found myself there living in my mom's house, 
however old I was at the time. So I think I was probably like 19 years old. So, you know, my friends were already, like I said, in college and didn't have a car, didn't have a job, didn't have a girlfriend and was feeling pretty sorry for myself. And so I sat there and I thought, what do I do from here? What is this next step? And it's almost like you need a car to go get a job, but you need a job to go get a car, (laughs) right? So trying to figure out what that next step was. And I remember a friend of mine telling me about someone that she knew that worked for Club Med, which at the time was one of the first all-inclusive resorts. Uh, They had them all over the world. It was a uh, French-owned company. And so this idea popped in my head like, hey, wait a second. If I work for the resort, stay in the resort, don't need a car. And it seemed like this wacky solution to this problem that I had. But you're knocking a bunch of, you know, killing a bunch of birds with a bunch of, you know, a couple stones. And it seemed like a ridiculous solution. Like most people would say, why don't you just go find a job and take the bus? Mm-hmm. But that seemed more depressing to me than my problem. And so I think, you know, what I was really looking for is I needed to be inspired. It wasn't just about solving my problems. I need something to pull me out of the funk and something that I could sink my teeth into. Did you also feel the need to kind of maybe escape a little bit where you kind of like, let me get out of now. I know what it is to kind of go back to a, a job, you know, going back to your mom's house and getting a job in like your local town where all your friends saw you and you know they're all graduating and everything. Did you kind of think that or were you not? even? I no, I mean, although I felt, uh, I definitely felt, I guess you could say embarrassed of where I was at, but it wasn't as about escaping. It was feeling like I just needed to make forward progress that wherever I was at now, I just needed to somehow move this along, uh, you know, and and move in a direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't so much about running away, but I I felt like I didn't want to just make a small step. In other words, could I have gone to like McDonald's and got a job and made minimum wage and I mean, but then Survival. what? Yeah, right, right, but right. then what? So I felt like, you know, I needed to make some sort of move. And uh, so long story short, I ended up getting that job. It took longer than I thought and kind of had to do what I had to do to survive. There was honestly a period where, so I went and stayed with my brother for a while. And my brother, he's a general contractor now, but then he was a union carpenter. So I started working with him as a union carpenter. We would leave the house at like four o'clock in the morning before the sun came up, get home about 7.30 at night when the sun had already gone down. And then the winter rolled around and the jobs all disappeared, kind of dried up a little bit. And so that winter, we were just trying to, you know, pay the rent, had a little place, paying the rent, you know, put groceries in the refrigerator. And so he had a pickup truck and we literally were going up into the mountains and like finding old trees that had fallen, cutting them up with a chainsaw, splitting them. We would go to the parking lot of the grocery store and say, sell firewood. And sell firewood and say, hey, we'll stack it as well. That was part of the price. And that's how we, you know, paid for the bills. Survive, survive winter. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. And so it went literally, and that went on during the winter. And then all of a sudden I got this phone call from Club Med. And they said, hey, by the way, you know, got a spot for you in Turks and Caicos Islands. You want to go? You got three days to pack your bag. So it went from like, you know, chopping wood in the mountains to... To paradise. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh that was definitely an interesting time but you know in the meantime i just had to kind of suck it up i mean imagine that you know you're literally sitting in a a parking lot of a grocery store as people are wheeling out their shopping carts and hey can we sell you some firewood yeah yeah that's those are some times right there man um 
but but then you got into the club med thing did it feel like it was i don't know too good to be true a little bit or were you kind of just taking it as it as it was coming and kind of uh, going with it yeah no it was it was interesting I, I was soaking it all in i it was kind of a bizarre experience because you would have the the bus that would take people from the airport to the resort and part of the whole thing was this like welcoming committee so you'd have all the employees out there they were called GOs mm -hmm. and so everyone would be out there kind of clapping you know welcoming everyone but that particular one was more for like singles so you'd have like you know imagine like a bunch of girlfriends like hey let's you know let's go on vacation so like five six girls go together or you know a couple of dudes you know like three four guys you know go have a guys trip so you would get these people coming off the the uh, the bus and mm -hmm. all the guys that work there as the girls would get off it was like this kind of like pointing with eyes like okay that you know dibs dibs and after watching that for weeks and weeks like this whole cycle like these girls would start like hey just hanging out with their friends next thing you know they're hanging out with this employee next thing you know like a couple days later they're crying because they slept with the dude and now he won't talk to him anymore and i watched this week it's after like week. real world before real world was really happening it was it actually got bizarre it kind of wore me out after a while so like even paradise got a little surreal right 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 but i uh, you know one thing that it did is i met a lot of interesting people and it opened my eyes to just you know different possibilities i realized that the world was a lot bigger than i thought it was because i came out of a really small town and mm -hmm. so i had small town thinking right you know my horizon didn't look very big mm -hmm. uh so it just uh opened my eyes to the opportunity met a lot of interesting people and after that kind of traveled around went to after that uh met someone she invited me out to New York. So I went out to New York for the first time ever. I think I was probably like 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, wow, this is New York. And, you know, showed me around. And we went to all kinds of cool clubs and VIP and all this stuff. And, you know, met famous architects. Right, and right. From at this point, let me ask you, what are what were some of the things that you were learning from literally coming from having zero to being a still a young guy? We'll kind of get, get a little bit later on. But what did you learn? What are some of the good things and the bad things you learned from like, okay, I came from the complete bottom and now I have a little bit of something to almost develop. You probably didn't have a lot still. You're kind of from where you were, I guess it was a big step, but what were some of those, you know, bad things that were happening while you were kind of getting out of this rut? Were you kind of going wild from like freedom and stuff or? I wasn't necessarily, no, I wasn't going wild. I just wanted to experience things and I wanted to see what was out there. I, but the biggest thing was still just, you know, trying to set the bar for myself. Every time something would happen, I would, I would raise the bar just a little bit and just say, okay, as long as I don't go backwards from here, you know, then I'll just keep moving forward. And mm -hmm. I think that actually, you know, brings it back to what we're talking about in this episode. That's the challenge is, you know, feeling like you're moving forward and, and saying, okay, I'm raising the bar and now I'm never going to go back below this. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you raise it and you raise it and you raise it and you think you've got nowhere to go but forward. And all of a sudden, you know, that bar crashes out from under you and you feel like you just got knocked down, you know, 20 rungs and never imagined yourself going back to that same place again. Well, another reason for that is you'll, you'll see how far um, I'm going to take this into the fitness world a little bit. You worked so hard for this physique or sport or whatever, and then everything crashes down. You're you know how hard it took to to get to that point. Like for me, if I put in four months to get good at lacrosse and all this stuff, and then you get injured, and then you're kind of right back into it, you know? 
to see that work, to look up and, and know that it took that long, it's kind of overwhelmingly disappointing, you know? Well, and so, you know, if we were to bring this all back to like, you know, what is, what's the takeaway from this whole thing? I tell you that it's all about, a lot of it comes down to just your energy. Like when you feel like everything comes crashing down, it's not just what happened, you know, because if you were to just break it down, okay, well, this happened and then this happened, right? And you were to take all the emotion out of it, you could just look at it for what it is. But the problem is there's all the emotion attached to it and all the meaning that you infuse into it. And it really, you know, it zaps you. It sucks all the energy out of you. Like I've even had people that I've known in business that I asked them, you know, Okay, so you did it here. If you were to ever start over again, could you do it again? And a lot of times, a lot of people say no. Some people say yes because they have all this confidence in themselves. A lot of people say no because they don't have the energy to do it again because hmm. it takes so much right. to get there because it's just work, right? It's chipping away and chipping away. And so this idea of having to, to do all that again, it's like ask someone who you know has two kids. You want to have another kid? And they're like, oh, my God, like sleepless nights and strollers and diaper bags and they're like no way can't do it again no matter how much i love kids right. don't want to go through the work again right. so a lot of it is energy and i and so you know going back to this presentation in utah i talked about it like okay on this quest you know to reach our goals and you know we do all these steps all the things that we're told that we're supposed to do to reach our goals then all of a sudden shit hits the fan what do you do then Right. You feel totally deflated. You feel like you got knocked down. Like I said, it feels like you got knocked down 20 rungs. So what do you do? You feel like shit. You feel deflated. You feel like life has beat you down. You can't see light at the end of the tunnel. Now what? So for me, what I had to learn is that the first thing I had to do was kind of strip some of the emotion out of it because it wasn't the actual events themselves that was beating me down it was, it was your reaction to it, it was my reaction and the way i felt about it it was all all these feelings right so the first thing is when i talk about you know being able to to evaluate a situation is you have to evaluate it clearly and that means taking all our feeling out of it taking our ego out of it you know you asked how it felt being back in my hometown living in my mom's house embarrassing right a little bit of a blow to my ego yeah. when you strip it all down it sucks so i gotta set all that aside and be able to look at the situation so one of the things that i started doing is saying okay right now it feels like everything in my life sucks everything it all sucks right and we all have a tendency to do that how many times do you hear someone say like always and never like especially when you know like a couple gets in a fight you always do this you never do that is it always and never is it a million times really no it's not a million times it's like five dramatic yeah. right but we have a tendency to do that and as humans i think that we also have a tendency to put way more weight on the negative than we do the positive like i learned that as a kid i had a stepmom who you know, it was kind of of a tough relationship, and I always remember going back to my mom and saying, "Oh, well, she did this and she did that, and she did this and she did that, and she's making my life miserable." And my mom would always say, "You know what, though?" But I also remember when she did this for you, and when she did that for you, and she would remind me of all these good things that she would do. And even if that list was equal, five bad things and five good things, the five bad things still felt like they weighed ten times more. And I think that's human nature for all of us to put so much weight on the negative over the positive. So the first thing that I've learned to do for myself is when I feel like everything sucks is realize that everything doesn't right. suck. 
And so I literally, and I know this sounds stupid, but it really helps because when you're caught up in your own head and these thoughts are like bouncing around in your head, it's hard to really evaluate that because all this emotion's tied up and we have this big, you know, pity party and that's when you're staring at the wall or laying there in bed. Kicking rocks, right? right. Yeah, you know, laying in bed, staring at the ceiling. So literally taking a piece of paper and writing down, okay, what are the things that suck? What are the things that happened here that disappointed us? But what are also all the other things in our life that are good? So that's number one, being able to evaluate and say, okay, it's not always, it's not never, it's not a million times. It's two things or three things that suck right now. So it's being able to evaluate it. And then the other thing is, you know, I said in the presentation, after being able to strip our emotion and our ego out of it, you have to look at data points. You have to be able to get a different perspective. So for example, you're talking about business. Let's say that Let's say that we're selling a product and we're selling 30,000 units a month of something and we're just on a tear. And then all of a sudden something in the market changes and we go from selling 30,000 units a month to 5,000 units a month. For example, an, an ingredient becomes illegal. Okay. So let's say that happens. Or let's say a policy within Google changes. Right. Right. Let's say you're one of these SEO guys, hmm. right? You hear these stories of these guys who are like, you know, manipulating, you know, the SEO on Google. Keyword search and all that. And all of a sudden Google changes their policies, right? Completely one day you wake up and it's all changed. There's been stories of these guys who actually go and kill themselves, right? So what if something happens? You go from selling 30,000 units a month to 5,000 units a month. Well, again, it's about perspective. Although it sucks that you went from 30 to 5, I guarantee you there was a time in business when you looked at it and said, if I could only sell 5,000 units a month, right? So does it suck? And is it going to require you like having to go in and reevaluate or retool things or retool your strategy? Absolutely. But is it the end of the world? Like, are you going to die tomorrow? <laughs> Probably mm -hmm. not because think about all the situations that you thought like, this is it. Like, my life's over. It's fucking done. And then all of a sudden, somehow you got past it and you look back in retrospect, you're like, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Like now that I've got better perspective, now that I'm able to remove myself from it a little bit, remove my feelings, remove my ego from it, in retrospect, it wasn't that bad. And so that's kind of what I'm saying is if you can later on look back and have right. better perspective because you removed your emotion, mm -hmm. your feeling, and had better perspective, well, then do the same thing in the moment. Remove your emotion, remove your ego, try to get better perspective on it, and you'll realize that although it sucks, I'm not trying to tell you that in a bad situation it doesn't suck, but what I'm saying is it's not the end of the world and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think that also comes from, like we discussed, experience as well because that was one of my questions about this whole segment was do people tend to over-dramatize and over-exaggerate a lot of this like, oh, fuck. And I think someone like, like I was telling you, I might freak out a little bit more, but I think, I don't think I've been through those experiences of like, okay, you know what? I've, I've seen this before. Let me not overly exaggerate or not give myself. But to, if you can learn that at a certain age to just be like, okay, the whole world, have you seen that meme with the dog, the dog is in a room and everything is on fire around him and he's like, everything is fine, no, <laughs> you know? And, and that's a, but I mean, that's basically how you have to kind of be like, Okay, this isn't the end of the world. And let me give you another example of like a, a business thing. You're saying one unit. So I started a, a, a sports website that I would sell apparel for the Miami Heat. 
I started the business when LeBron James came and then he left just like that. He left and we went from selling, you know, 300 shirts a week to selling seven shirts a week. We couldn't sustain that. We're like, holy crap, you know, but we, we knew the risk as well. We knew he wasn't going to be here forever, but that was our whole business model was done after that, you know, and we were like, holy crap, we can kind of, you know, take the this comet that just hit us or kind of retool how'd, and everything. How did you feel when it happened? It sucked, dude, because it was like went from, because I was working here at the end, we had everything automated. It's like a second income, you know, and it was just more of the money as a younger person in Miami and everybody knew me. The most embarrassing part was everybody knew me as the Miami sports guy. So all my friends would be like, oh, what's going on with the heat today? What's going on? With-? So when that happened, everybody was like, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? it? Everybody was saying like, hey, we're three-time. I mean, if you remember from 2011 to 2014, we were winning championships. We were at the highest of our high. And then LeBron's like, I'm going back home. That bought, I mean, every there's no like levels of falling down. You're just free falling. And then you hit, you're like, oh, this fucking sucks. And then Dwayne Wade left. And then you're like, oh, okay, this isn't recoverable right now. And then we realized... There's still people here in Miami that still love the sport. So let's do it for the real reason why we did it in the first place, which was for Miami sports. It wasn't a, a LeBron thing, but that Look, that hurts. <laughs> and, it, and it goes back to perspective. Like, think about right. this. I don't I don't know if you ever said it. I know I definitely said it when I was a kid. I said it on more than one occasion, and I've heard plenty of my friends' kids say it as a kid, saying to your parent, you're ruining my life. One hundred percent. You're ruining my life, right? And they, you know, they go stomping off, you know, crying, you know, whether they got grounded. Have you ever, have you ever slammed the door in your mom's face before? Like uh, just been like, Ksh. yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I've done that, and just like you open it back up, and your mom's just ready to knock you. So, so flat. Right. So going back to that, right? That moment when you you look at your parent and say you're ruining my life. When you say it, you mean it. You mean it, and it feels 100%. that way. It feels like they are at that moment they're ruining your life. But what's it really about? It means you're a kid and you don't have any perspective. Are they ruining your life? No. It just feels that way at the moment. And that's what I'm saying. We still carry that forward into adulthood. Maybe not as exaggerated, but it's still the same thing. It feels like whatever happened in that moment is ruining our life. Right? And it's hard to see past that. And then all the emotions and the ego clouded even more and they amplify it even more. And so as hard as it is, you have to have that process of going through and saying, okay, let me get better perspective here. Like, let me get it in check. Let me get my shit together. Let me stop wallowing in self-pity here. Mm-hmm. It's a big giant pity party. Right. I got to stop. I got to pull my head out of my ass and figure out how do I fix this problem? Like, What's one thing I can do? And then even better, it's like, what's something that you can sink your teeth into? Like I was telling you about the whole thing with Club Med. I got excited about that. With the thing with the car accident, I remember very specifically, I was laying in my hospital bed. It had been about a week since I really came to terms with my situation and realized how bad it sucked. You know, talking to the doctors, asking them when I was going to walk again, you know, and then they would always tell me, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That sucks. And that's all you're looking for is an answer. And so you just hear, I don't know. I don't know. And so I went through about a week where I had a pretty shitty attitude. You know, people would come to visit me and really just didn't have a whole lot to say and kind of really lost in my thoughts and, you know, and my feelings about the whole thing. And so 
I had a really hard time sleeping. I'd stay awake most of the time at night. Was this from the pain or just kind of just everything going on in your head too? A combination of both. A lot of it was physical though, you know, and plus they had me on, on constant morphine. So I'd sleep during the day a lot. So my whole sleep like cycle. Like dozing off and here and there. Yeah. So sleep cycle was weird. And so I happened to just wake up at like three o'clock in the morning. And so uh, I had a window in my hospital, hospital room that I... Uh, that I uh, faced east and I was sitting there and right as the sun started coming up and I was thinking about things and I, I think I told you the story before I was thinking about this quote that I had read in a Napoleon Hill book which was and I'll butcher the quote uh, but go something like this which is within every adversity is the seed of an equal or greater opportunity and all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me. And I used to say that to all my friends all the time when they were going through some city, you know, shitty situation. And I would say that to them. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, I'm a hypocrite if I don't take my own advice. I said, but you know what? As shitty as this situation is, if this adversity is the seed, then what kind of opportunity can come from this? And and that's when I made the decision that I would somehow spin this into, you know, my own personal comeback story, that if I were writing this chapter in my life, that, you know, this would be the chapter where I pull my hat out of my ass and say, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself, and I'm going to do this shit. Hmm. And it was weird. It was like, it was like flicking on a light switch. My attitude really just changed in that moment. And from then on, I was just like gung-ho. I was gung-ho about my physical therapy. Before that, the physical therapist would come in and they'd say, well, you know, I need you to go ahead and try to sit up today. And I'm like, I need you to go ahead and fuck off, you know. So it was really difficult with the, the physical therapist. And after that, I was like, all right, come on. Let's let's put together a plan. Let's do this, you know. I'm, I'm really, You're I'm, all on board. I was all on board. So, uh, but it was because I – I felt it wasn't just this commitment and it wasn't just about perspective. It was that I gave myself a goal. I gave myself a goal that got me excited. And I think that's, you know, one of the most important things is when you're in a situation like that, you just, you feel like you're flailing around and you just don't know which side is up like you described Mm -hmm. it. And so by setting a goal, setting your sights on something, you can just be mono focused on that and you can just push everything else to the outside. And I think in those situations you need that because you can't think about those other things. Like even through my car accident, people say, how do you deal with all the pain? Like, doesn't, isn't the pain overwhelming? I'm like, yeah, if you think about it all the time, you have to be you just don't, laser focused. You just can't think about it. You can't, you can't indulge in that. Mm-hmm. And so it just requires a, a bit of discipline of saying, okay, I'm just going to stay focused here and I'm going to push all that other stuff out. So I think, you know, it's not just about pushing, you know, pushing out these feelings and gaining perspective. I do think that you have to reinvigorate yourself. You have to get that energy back because that's what feels the worst is you feel like you've been kicked in the nuts and you feel like you lost all your energy. You lost your mojo. You lost your fight. And so you got to get that back and you got to find something that reignites that. I think one of the issues with it now I don't think they make them as tough as they used to, man. I'll be honest. Like guys like you, probably not even like my generation after me, they're all soft. I mean, you ever had, you ever had like, I don't know if Minka's the best example, but she bumps her head on something. She's by herself. She won't even cry. But if mommy or something around, she's going to start tearing up, looking for that being babied a little bit. I think that also happens with 
you know, when you when something catastrophic happens that everybody's like, oh, no, are you okay? And then you, you get emotional from that, you know, even to this day if something well, like that happened. But. I, think, I think if you see that right now, it's, you know, I mean, look, there's always backlashes with everything, right? So you, previous generations, you know, parents were kind of unsympathetic and a little little disconnected from their kids. And so, you know, maybe it's a swing in the opposite direction because however you were raised, you try to compensate for that. You know, so who knows? Maybe a lot of the kids out there, you know, got a little too much coddling. I don't know. But I I think that you're gonna you're gonna have disappointments in your life. And so it doesn't matter who you are or how you're raised, you know, you're gonna have these disappointments and you're gonna have to learn how to deal with them. We're talking a lot about this um this FitCon speech, are we dropping that maybe hopefully by tomorrow? Because I think a lot of what we're talking about here, um, we did a great thing. So if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we went out to the FitCon in Utah. We had a great time, but you were one of the keynote speakers. And I think a lot of what we're doing now is from that from that general speech that we have ready to go. So if we get a 1,000 likes on this post, we'll release it for you guys. YouTube, you heard us. If we get a 1,000 likes, you guys get the James Grage keynote speech from FitCon. It's 15 minutes, and it was one of the kind of the brighter spots of the my first experience of a, of a fitness thing. And a lot of people, I think, were engaged. It was, it was just basically this. You're kind of breaking down, but I think you have a better visual over there for um, Yeah, for that's them, just so. adding a visual piece and summarizing it into 15 minutes, sharing a little bit of little bit of background story, you know, some of the wins and some of the losses and how I learned to deal with it. And The failure equation. Yeah, well, yeah, it was like supposed that. to be the success equation, but I don't have that equation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, definitely. So um, later on, let's get to a more, more recent kind of fumble because we can talk about everybody can relate to being young and kind of not understanding but give us an example of something maybe in the past few years that had the same kind of impact maybe with something that happened at bpi sports like you were saying with one of the products or something maybe personally that you know passing of a parent or something that you feel like maybe you felt like that at that low place even though you were in a good place and everything you know i think that brought up i don't want to you know talk out of turn but Your father, I think, had a little bit of an emotional impact, more than I think you thought it would. Mm. Um, did it feel like you were kind of hitting some kind of another low with losing that and kind of like, hey, you know, I wish things would have been different or stuff like that? Maybe a horrible example, but give me a more recent example of something that you've probably had to dig yourself out of from all the experience. Well, I think, you know, it, I think it's a constant to a degree. And I think that life is always throwing curveballs at you. You know, there's... And that's in a way a good thing. I, I said to you before, if you were able to write the script for your life, if you were to write it out like it was a movie script and play it out exactly the way you wrote it, that would be a boring life. And I don't think you would really enjoy that life. So life is always, no matter what kind of plans you have and no matter how sure you are of those plans, you're always going to be thrown a curveball. Things are going to always happen all the time. And so... I think a lot of it for me is where I, I feel that most of us are most susceptible to feeling like the walls are, you know, crashing down on us is when we're in an emotionally weak uh, position where something's going on in our life. Like even, you know, the situation, the first one, you know, dropping out of high school where it really all kind of, you know, really crashed down was then when I broke up with a girlfriend. It was like all the other things, but then there was the one thing that was okay. And then when that fell apart, then it, I realized, oh, wait a second, all this other stuff had fallen apart. It's all apart connected. Too. It's all connected. But 
the big thing was was the emotion, right? You break up with someone or you lose someone, you've got all those emotions and you know, it's the energy that I talk about. And so that's why it's so important one to realize that it's not as bad as you think it is. So you can kind of, you know, recoup some of that energy, but also again, to set a new goal for yourself and, you know, to go ahead and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, dust yourself off and keep going. Uh, but it's all about energy. It's, it's, it's not about the events themselves. Those may be the trigger that cause it, but it's about the energy. It's about your emotional mindset. And if you feel like the world is crashing in, that everything fucking sucks or that your life is over, well, then of course it's going to feel, it's going to be that way, you know? So it really, it's like, what's that old saying? You know, your attitude determines your altitude. Yeah. 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 What are some, um, what are some tips you have maybe for somebody that's not feeling that energy level to go and pursue something? Because I think that's kind of the, the kind of what we can take out of this. It's the fo- energy and focus that you put into something that really gets you out of those ruts. Yeah. Is there, are there a couple of tips that you can give someone that just to kind of help them get that energy level up? Well, yeah, you and I talked about it before and it's, I think a little bit counterintuitive. My answer most people are saying, okay, if I don't really feel the energy, how do I create more positive energy, right? To go motivate myself to go create all these things because that's what we're looking for is this, you know, this creative energy and, you know, this motivation to go do something, this sense of commitment to go do something. And I told you recently, for me, it's almost the exact opposite. I have to create so much dissatisfaction for my current situation that I am no longer willing to tolerate it anymore, that I'm sick of it and that I, you know, that I'm just not going to, I'm not going to stay in the same place anymore, that I'm, I force myself to take action. Uh, because I, I really believe that, you know, necessity is the mother of all, you know, invention. Isn't that how the saying goes? Yeah. I think I, that's how it I goes. I think so, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's forcing yourself to. You know, just if if you're comfortable with your situation, you're never, ever, 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 so ever going to change. You're taking yourself out of. You're putting yourself into a corner. I'm backing basically. myself into a corner, making myself uncomfortable and dissatisfied. Oh. So now, knowing that, let's go back to these shitty situations where the walls come crashing in, and it feels so horrible, and it feels like the end of the world. I feel that way when it happens to me. But what ends up coming out of it is it ends up propelling me forward. Mm. It ends up being like this springboard for change, for positive change in my life. Because the level of dissatisfaction in that moment is so deep that it only, if you were to take that and, you know, it's like the yin and yang of energy, right? So if you were to take all this negative energy, what would be the opposite equal amount of positive Mm. energy? Well, with all that dissatisfaction with my current situation, that ends up being the amount of energy that propels me forward. You're basically burning down the forest for the new, for the new thing to come up. Basically. It's a cycle of life. Um, let me ask you more in a, kind of getting to the fitness realm of it. Somebody that might have worked, that might have you know been in shape and worked out a lot, and then they, for whatever reason, they completely fell off and. They're at the bottom of their pits with the thing. With me personally, I've had that happen to me several times. Right now, I feel like I'm in a good groove, and I think a lot of that had to deal with the energy part of it, not making any excuses and just finding, kind of hyping myself up and saying to myself, like, dude, you look like shit, and you're kind of cornering yourself in that same situation. But what are some tips you can give to somebody that's 
just trying to bounce back from that, from going from shitty situation and not eating right. And, but I guess it's everything don't, that we wrote down. Don't, don't, don't pacify yourself. Yeah. Don't try to make yourself feel better about your shitty situation. Don't try. No. Just say this situation fucking sucks, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, you know, stop, you know, having the pity party like we talked about. I just about. ran out of excuses. Honestly, I was the king at it for four years. Nobody could get me to work out. And I was just like, well, because you can also we can justify anything. Right. I think that's, you know, it's a talent that we all have is being able to justify anything that we do, any decision that we make, any attitude that we have. And, you know, so don't justify it. If you don't like it, then go ahead and find that level of dissatisfaction, and that's what's going to motivate you to change. I think that's what that's what did it for me is the level of dissatisfaction was just too critical. So, so I got to change that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll upload that that video from FitCon, and you know the the big takeaway at the end is realizing that you know even though it feels like as you move upward towards your goals, and then only to turn around and feel like you're falling down again, that you know you're never making progress. Because as soon as you pick yourself up, it feels like something else happens and it's always like up and down like a yo-yo all the time nice. and that you're never making progress. The progress isn't on that vertical scale like we talked about, but each of those things that happen, if you can go ahead and use it, harness it, that those are the things that really propel you it's forward. It's like almost, almost like a roller coaster ride. It's like the more times you ride that well, up and down, you're going to be, you know. Well, here's the crazy thing. Those situations, they're the, they're the same thing that can hold you back hold you in that position but it's also the thing that can propel you forward hmm. it just depends on how you approach your it. perspective on that that's pretty good so just to get you guys kind of look we've almost done an hour cool um just to get you guys caught up a lot of changes happening with mm -hmm. what we're doing as far as how we're putting out the content we'll be moving in a couple of weeks uh we'll be moving uh, James Grage Theory, the podcast exclusively to jamesgrage.com, where you'll be able to listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, iTunes Radio, um, not iTunes Radio, what's that called? Uh, FM Radio, a bunch of different platforms. So we will not be pushing live on YouTube anymore. We have three more episodes with probably a special guest coming up for you guys in a couple of weeks, uh, getting more into the fitness stuff. But what you guys will see on the James Grade YouTube page will be the stuff you guys love, which is the ATT stuff. Um, some all other the fitness stuff. Yep, all the fitness stuff. We know what you guys love on YouTube, so we'll keep it just for that. Um, but also, we want you guys to join us on jamesgrage.com. The next couple things, some exciting things happening. We'll have all the advanced training stuff on jamesgrage.com anyway, so if you guys ever get lost. The, the website is going to be that central hub for, for all the content that we create. <laughs> I uh, also to be able to create the community that we're talking about creating. So the email with all the giveaways, all the cool stuff on there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a podcast, a podcast. So it belongs on a podcast platform. It's been cool doing it here on YouTube for because sure. it was an easy platform for us before we got on mm -hmm. iTunes. Uh, but now we're on iTunes and we have five stars. So don't mess that up for us, guys. Go in there. Take a little listen. We actually have the first 10 episodes up right now. So go catch up on those. And by the end of this week, I promise you we'll have episodes 11 through uh, 20 up. I'm forcing James to write all the descriptions now. So those are coming up um, by Friday, we'll say. So you guys will be able to listen to the first 20 episodes of the James Grage Theory. Make sure James won't ask. But make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash jamesgrage. 
will also be doing a lot more blog content on his Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash jamesgrage as well. And But jamesgrage.com, if you ever have a question about any of the content that we're creating, that'll be our home. The one thing that we won't change, though, let's continue to do the IG Live. Yep. So even though we'll be recording the podcast and, and pushing that on you know podcast platforms, we'll still go IG Live so everyone who likes the live content can still watch this just like you are right now. Yeah, you can join IG. us every. We'll be doing this every Tuesday. Anyway. It's not it's like just, we're stopping it, it at all. It's just not going to be on YouTube. So we're going to do this is episode twenty seven. So we're going to do episode twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. Will be the last three on YouTube, and starting with episode thirty one, that'll just go exclusively on podcasts. Yep, but you guys can still, whenever we're doing it and everything, you guys will still be able to catch up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and jamesgrage.com. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We'll see you next week.